I'm Jamie. And I'm Nikisha, and this is Talking Horror with Jamie. And Nikisha. Where we share our love for spooky things and talk horror through the lens of human behavior. Welcome, everyone. I don't have my lenses on today for those watching on the YouTubes, but Jamie's got it covered as always. And don't she's worry. ready. I got my lenses. She's got I her buy lenses. direct, not sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> They're always cute lenses, though. I like the color mm-hmm. of them. But they match my water bottle. Ooh, fancy, fancy. Mm. Well, I don't have my water bottle with me, nor does it match my outfit. But I am going to show off my jersey that I did get from the Spirit Halloween. That, that ghost I face jersey. Okay. That ghost face jersey is very, very cool. Thank you. It has ghost face uh, name on the back and it has 96 on the back. And uh, it is a fun time. I think we talked about it in our last uh, episode that we recorded that there was a one lonely spirit Halloween open in Lincoln, Nebraska that I went to and so cool. got some things, including a hat that says dead inside, which is my new favorite thing. On the oh, amazing. Because <laughs> that's how I feel. 99.9% of the time is dead inside. So, oh, yes. I also got my new um, speaking of spirit Halloween, my new yeah. Sam. Uh, flocked <gasps> spirit Halloween. So his little onesie is like a felt material. Ooh. Yeah. And for those of you on um, listening on the podcast form, Two's. you can see this on YouTube. <laughs> um, but also just to mention um, uh, on our Instagram, I'm featuring over the course of the next couple of months, I'm featuring all the horror pops that I have on there. Um, so definitely follow us yes. on Instagram at talk horror pod um, for different content that you'll see on, on TikTok or on Twitter. Um, all those are um, at talk horror pod. Yes. Fantastical. Well, we got to say why we're here. Y'all we are talking about. Well, why are y'all, we why are we here? Y'all. In my why Southern, are we here? Y'all we're y'all. here because <laughs> Is a season of the witch, even though we're not doing that particular movie, but <laughs> that song is stuck in my head. <laughs> we are talking about the 2016 supernatural horror film, The Autopsy of Jane Doe. Oh, I hadn't expected that. Tongue has been severed crudely, non surgically. Well, she could have bitten it off, you know, she ODs on something tense up. bite marks. See? Striations. I've seen something like this before. About 15 years back, human trafficking around Norfolk. Two girls, hands and feet bound tight to keep them from running. Cut out the tongues. I'm making too much noise. You think this was some kind of a prostitution thing? Can't rule it out. Ooh. 
Spoiler alert, she was a witch, which is the connection to the song. So (laughs) (laughs) this movie was directed by Andre Overdahl, and it stars Brian Cox and Emil Hirsch. And this is uh, Overdahl's first English language film. That's Emil. Emil Oh, Emil. Emil, sorry. Emil. Emil. Emil Hirsch. I Um, love Emil, though. That's a nice name. It's always mm-hmm. me trying to make everything fancier than what it yeah. is. And so that's what that was. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I love that. What a beautiful name. Amel. Save it for your uh, firstborn child's name, Amel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how'd you, name, uh, how'd you name your kid Amel? Well, let me tell you a story. <laughs> We're doing this podcast that had nothing to do with babies. <laughs> so um, this is Overdahl's first English language film. He's Norwegian, which I did not know. But another one of his films you guys might know out there is Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which was 2019. Mm-hmm. So obviously heavy spoilers for the autopsy of Jane Doe. Um, and Jamie, can you tell us a lot of trigger warnings that are in this movie? Surely. Um, well, this has autopsy in the name. So if you were, if you didn't otherwise deduce, uh, <laughs> this takes place in a morgue. So we are seeing a lot of dead bodies, um, e. dead bodies in a variety of forms. Uh, our, our titular dead body is very nude and then is also cut open. So we see her insides mm-hmm. um, and it's it's everything that you expect to be inside of a body, but dead. Um, but dead. We, <laughs> yes. Uh, we also have some other corpses, including um, burned corpse, a uh, corpse that uh, shot itself in the face. Yeah. Um, so we get some not so nice looking corpses. Uh, there's also a, 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 what's it? An axe to the, to oh, the yeah. neck. Mm-hmm. Axe, neck um, axe, of course. It's like neck a neck axe. beard, but it's, uh, it's a neck axe. It's but an axe. It's an axe. <laughs> neck axe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we get some references to some witchery, as Nikisha was already singing about. Um, and and general general spookiness, um, some some limb breaking. Mm. Um, did you? Yeah. There was also. Uh, did you say animal harm? Oh yeah, animal harm. I block out the oh, things that really. Oh wow! And, and uh, you, did you say mentions of suicide? No, because I block out the things mm-hmm. in my brain that I don't like to think about. <laughs> yes. Oh, that poor cat, and suicide. Mm. Oh. Mm. Yes, well, lots of lots of trigger warnings. This movie, even though it's steadily in one spot, has a lot that is going on. So if you mm-hmm. don't like literal insides being brought to the outside, mm. uh, then this might not be the movie for you. So, mm. yes, Brian, producer Brian, do you have some words for us before we get heavy into this movie? Uh, no, I mean, I kind of talked about it. Follow us on uh, all social media. We're doing some fun stuff in all those places um, at Talk Horror Pod. We're also on YouTube uh, where you can see our beautiful faces. Hi, YouTube. Hello. And Nikisha's Hi. super cool ghost face jersey. Uh, um, it's step, really step. cool. Um, <laughs> oh, God. oh, God. Step, 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 step. Everybody. <laughs> um, fantastic. Um yeah, that, that, that's all I really got for that one. Um, we're gearing up for October. 
already. So we have some really cool stuff happening in October and September um, leading up to the fall season. So make sure you're subscribed to this podcast, to our social media, and to our YouTube. Um, We're counting down some cool stuff. We are doing some awesome movies. Um, We're doing a Latin Heritage Month, so we're going to talk through a little bit of some of our favorite Spanish uh, movies and Spanish directors. Um, So definitely uh, stay tuned for all of that stuff. Yes. Fantastic. Well, Brian, do you want to continue on? You mentioned before we started recording that you have watched a few things during the week. So tell us about it. I have. Well, staying on theme with this, um, I saw Andre Overdahl's new movie, The Last Voyage of the Demeter. Oh, somebody on Hinge asked me if I wanted to go on a date and see that movie with them. <laughs> honestly, as like, a first date, on a first that, date, that's kind of right up your alley. I don't alley. think movie. No, I don't think movies are good first dates. How are you supposed to get to yeah, know movies, someone when you're both sitting in a movie theater for two hours, not talking? That's right. Movies are not good first dates, but at least they picked a movie that like would interest you greatly. Exactly. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I just had to share. And Jamie almost went on a parlor <laughs> talk about. <laughs> Yeah. No, it was short and sweet. That's was, that's all yeah, I had to say. It was good. But sorry, continue, Brian. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I saw the last voyage of the Demeter. Um, I thought it was I thought it was okay. I thought it was totally, totally fine in a good way, though. Um, it's interesting because you know, spoiler alert for the movie, but not a total spoiler alert. You know, this we know that Dracula has to survive this movie because this is a chapter from Dracula. So I had a very hard time believing some of the like plans of the of the sailors because mm-hmm. like I feel like if they if they they because they couldn't kill Dracula I feel like they could have had better plans but the movie doesn't allow for that if that makes sense so uh, the okay. characters were smarter than their behaviors and their actions because Dracula couldn't die you know what I mean yes um, yeah. so it kind of undercut the story but I thought it was really well directed the score was amazing the 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 cinematography and everything about it was awesome. The practical effects they used for Dracula was awesome. It just it just was a little cool. bit repetitive overall. Um, I, I was hoping for some more interesting kills and and sequences. Um, but I saw it in movie theaters. I had a great time. Like for two hours, I had a really fun time just watching Dracula kind of go go crazy on on some of these sailors. Um, and it had a real some really great actors and acting. So I would highly suggest it, but I wouldn't say run to see it. Okay, in comparison to Renfield, Dracula, who do you like better? Oh, I I, I liked Renfield as a movie better, um, but okay. uh, the Draculas are totally different. This is a more, like, feral, I've been starving Dracula versus... Ooh. versus. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Um, <laughs> Give versus, me some food. <laughs> versus, <laughs> even though he is hungry and he's trying to, like, rebuild his health in, in um, Renfield, um, it's definitely... Um, it's 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 definitely a different type of Dracula for sure. One's more camp. One's like trying to be pure terror. Yeah, fantastic. Is that a, a long movie? Like how long is it? Like, I think it was like two hours. No, no, it was okay. under two. It was mm-hmm. like one fifty something. Maybe I don't know. Oh, it, was, okay. it was about two hours. Nice. Well, I have to try and go and see it because it did look interesting. So yeah, definitely worth it. Um, I also like Andre Overdahl overall as an actor. Excuse me, as a director. Um, yes. I like his movie. I've seen his movie Troll Hunter, which is good. Um, uh, I think mm-hmm. he's a better director than he is, like... Some of his movies aren't great, but I like his direction. 
Like, I, I'm not into scary stories to tell in the dark, the adaptation, but, like, I thought he directed it well. I don't know if it was a screenplay issue or whatnot, but anyway. Mm. I agree with that. But also, the special effects, too, which has nothing to do with him, but in Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. He, if anything, has mm. a good grasp on kind of those things. Yeah. Um, so the thing about that spy, the, the spiders. Oh, yeah, this, out of her cheek, right? Ugh, gross. Yeah. Gross! Um, Can't but Jamie introduced me to a film I had never seen before. Uh oh, did I? What you I did. You uh, we watched the seminal classic, mm. House of Wax. Oh, the, the remake, the, the Paris Hilton time. remake. What a time to be alive mm-hmm. with Paris mm-hmm. Hilton at at the <laughs> forefront of a horror movie. Please discuss how you felt about this movie. So I'm going to say, listen, this movie's not great. I, I recognize that. But <laughs> yeah. history told me that it was the worst movie, horror movie ever. It mm-hmm. was not. I had a great time um, watching it. Um, we, I think in the last episode we talked about how we watched uh, House on Haunted Hill or Hill, Haunted yes. Hill House or whatever mm-hmm. we watched. The one with... Mm-hmm. Um, um, uh, uh, with Ali Larder Kattan. and Chris Kattan. Um, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, um, my issue was not like, I had a great time. I had a really fun time. It was really fun to watch. Um, I did not expect the twist that we got in the movie. Um, and then I thought, you know, literally they promised you a house of wax and you got a house of wax. And you got a um, house of wax. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I thought the kills were fun uh, overall. I I was expecting a little bit more diversity in kill, but like it was still fine. My biggest gripe with the movie is that nobody, nobody, not one of the people in this movie acted like a human being. That like nobody (laughs) makes a decision that a real human being in that situation would make. Not one of them. Um, Mm -hmm. And that was very frustrating. Um, But like that's what this movie is. Especially what's his face? Jared Uh, Padalecki. Oh my God. He was Mm -hmm. like the least person person of all just like oh the wax museum says clothes let me just walk right into it let me start touching everything in this museum like everything it was just like so bizarre yeah i i just like i didn't remember any of that stuff obviously the marketing was like watch come watch paris hilton die and i was like i'm all in well um so like (laughs) you know (laughs) it's just so messed up but uh i wasn't i didn't care about uh like how they were acting, which wasn't real. Right. So it was a fun, a fun rewatch. Yeah, it was great. We had a little, it was like, we watched this and then we watched Autopsy of Jane Doe. So between Emile Hirsch, um, and what's her name? Um, we had a, uh, we had a little, uh, oh, Ali- Eliza, du- Alicia Cuthbert. Yeah. Uh, uh, mm. we had a nice girl little, next door. girl little next door. Uh, oh reunion. God, I love that movie. I was obsessed <laughs> With it, I probably still own it on DVD. Yes, so good, oh, fantastic. Mm. I, don't, I don't think um, I've seen it. <laughs> oh, it's so great. Good. But I liked House of Wax. I did, like, unironically, really enjoyed House of Wax. It is one of those movies where if you know what you're getting into, then you'll have a good time. And we've like yes. covered movies like that as well. And it's not even just the fact that it's the nostalgia of you know, the 2010s or whatever the case may be. It really is just like, if you just know that this is going to be a crappy horror movie, you're all in it for it to just be crappy and it can only like go up from there. So totally, totally, totally. But it is a combination of like those, that 
decade of movies makes me feel comfortable. Plus, I know that what I was getting myself into. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, talk about not knowing what you're getting into with this movie. Let's get into a plot summary. What's the plot? (laughs) Wow. There's so many things going on and so many twists and turns that I'm very excited to discuss with you guys. So... Jamie, have you gone and done one in a while? No, I've just avoided it well, for as long well, as I possibly can. Uh, not to like get Jamie off the hook, but like, are we awarding all plot in uh, summaries to the producer now? Didn't we agree Ooh, on that last I week? I would love oh. that. <laughs> Listen, if you want to take it on, that's fantastic. I'm happy is to do a, that. Is this a duty that you're willing to? I'm willing to take on the plot summary, the two-minute plot summary, if that is something that we want to decide here on the Autopsy of Jane Doe episode. You will be the the duty head, as we have said. (laughs) 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 The head of duty. Oh, my God. So good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. So yeah, let's let's do it. I uh, I second this motion to right. have producer Brian. <laughs> you second. Yes. You second. You, you what is it? Uh, you second the duty head mo- the movement. movement yeah. The bowel bowel movement. movement. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Great. Yeah. You never have to accidentally open your calculator. That's ever again. true. <laughs> well, we'll have guests do it. When guests come on, we'll have them do it for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, you hear for that, sure. guests? You're still on the yeah. hook. Yes. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, I am. Ooh. I'm. Whenever someone has two minutes on the clock, I am ready. I do. I have two minutes on my clock. She's got it. All right, producer Brian, your new duty forevermore. <laughs> is to give us this two-minute plot summary. Right now, the two-minute plot summary of The Autopsy of Jane Doe. Are you ready? Ready. All right. Ready, set, go. Okay, so a body of a woman is found in a house surrounded by, like, murders that can't really be explained. Um, That body is brought to the Tilden um, funeral home and morgue, uh, where our two characters, a father and a son, I'm just going to call them father and son, played by Brian Cox and uh, Emil Hirsch, um, are, uh, you know, have run this uh, morgue and funeral home for a very long time. It's been in their family for a very long time. They get this body as brought by the sheriff. Um, What we learn backstory wise um, throughout the movie is that the kid doesn't want to take over uh, the funeral home. He wants to go kind of with his girlfriend um, and the father lost the mother. They both lost the the mother figure um, to um, a suicide that's inferred um, because they didn't see her depression. Um, And so uh, but they get this weird body and they can't really figure out what's wrong. So when they cut it open, they're trying to find the COD, the cause of death. So when they open the body they find that the insides and the outsides do not match. Um, it's eventually they figure out that if they open up the skin a little bit further, they find kind of um, like witch markings 
Um, and so they figure out, well, they kind of figure out that this woman is a witch and there's a curse on her body. Like they could tell from the scarring inside that she had been stabbed, that she had been burned, that her arms had been broken, her ankles had been broken. Um, and they start getting haunted essentially, um, by this person, by this witch. Um, and they have to figure out what they do. They're sorry. They can't separate reality, um, from, uh, what they're seeing. Um, and so they're being hunted down. Um, they accidentally kill, um, the girlfriend who came back um, with an axe. The father does. The cat dies. Um, lots of jump scares and freaky deaky stuff. In the end, the father basically, they decide to go back and finish the autopsy. The father gives his life to save the son. The son starts to escape, but we realize that it's all just a ruse by the woman. Um, he falls to his death, and the, sh the sheriff comes and opens it up, finds all the dead people similar to the way that it started with the other people. It's like, get this body out of my county, and they basically like ship the body away. I should also mention the body heals itself so that, like, it's gonna happen again elsewhere. The end. And that's the plot. <laughs> the end. Yes. Fantastic. Good job. Good job. Good thank job. job. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> so, a lot of different things happening uh, in this, but let's get started with our first segment of likes and gripes. <laughs> And now our likes and gripes. And I'll I'll go first this time. I don't have a lot to say about this. I will say this is my second time watching this movie. So when we get to the ratings and stuff, a lot of my ratings are based on when I watched this for the first time, um, okay. not knowing what was going to happen because I feel like the second time around, when you kind of do know what the ending is, it can be. A little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit slow. Um, but one of my favorite things about this movie is that you are finding out just as much information as the father and son are finding out at the same time. So mm -hmm. I like that you move at that pace so that it's not a matter of like you trying to you can like guess what's going to happen, but there are some movies where it sets you up where you're like, oh, we could go this way, this way, and this way, or like, yeah. oh, I know what's going to happen, or oh, I know who the killer is, you know, whatever. But this one, I just like that it moves. You can only go as fast as they can go. Like, whatever yeah. they find out, you find out. And if I could jump in there for a second, yep. Nikisha, so I like that about this movie too. And something else that I like about this movie that ties in with that, that I have my list and I thought I'd just jump in here and say is yeah, I like that we never totally find out exactly what's happening because like yeah. you said, we only see it from their point of view. It's not like they call somebody who tells them what's happening. Mm -hmm. Like we have to learn and make inferences based on what they find, um, which is very similar to how they would go about an autopsy and they can yeah. Only based on what they see in the room. The closest we get to that is them looking up the um, the uh, the the flower yeah. and then finding the um, when they fold over the thing and they look in the Bible or whatever it is. Um, yeah. Uh, like Le that Leviticus, Leviticus. Um, mm -hmm. but I totally agree with you. I like that we are like the third autopsy member. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and just speaking of autopsies in general, I watched this with my dad, who is also a movie lover in general. And sure. as I've mentioned a thousand times before, y'all know that he used to be a police officer his whole life. So the mm -hmm. minute we started watching this, he was like, yep, rigor mortis and yep, all this stuff. Because he was like, I've seen so many autopsies. He's like, I know exactly oh, sure. what they're doing. I'm like, this is kind of weird, oh, but okay, so dad, I hope you're okay. That's cool. That's cool. But that's a cool experience. As, yes, it was. He was like, oh, yeah. And then they'll do this next and like, blah, blah, blah. And look at this. And I'm like, mm. ah. <laughs> But also therapy. We need to. We need to get. We need to get you. Um, 
<laughs> but uh, at the very beginning, I did love the title card, like in the grass and the dirt, because like that's where Loved they find that. the body. So mm-hmm. I thought that was really mm-hmm. cool. The prosthetics yeah, in this movie, top tier, top yeah. notch. When they are inside that body and like cracking ribs and seeing the lungs Ugh. that are burned and like, and huge. the fact that, sorry, what did you say, Brian? huge shout out to the production designer the props person like everybody on that team just like knocked it out of the park yeah absolutely uh yeah just everything about that was just wonderful to watch also what a stellar job to have because the, there is an actress attached to this body and right? it's like that's the dream job just to be the body <laughs> mm-hmm. that's what i want mom i'm starring in this film <laughs> truly yeah. My whole my whole <laughs> naked body. I don't have to say a word. Just you know, mm-hmm. there. But talk about being na- very. I feel like very few people have starred fully starred in horror movies naked and not being sexualized. Exactly, mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yes, like this is it. The setup was so nice to where it's like this is the reason why this is happening, not just because of the whole like sex tied in with horror that is usually the the thing. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was, that was really great. Um, I love the father son team. My only gripe was that I felt as though the little references that they put in about like the father kind of not talking about the mom um, or not really getting over the death and stuff. I feel like if you're going to talk about it, like I would have liked to, have them expand on it just a little bit more. Sure. It just seemed like they were kind of trying to fit something in to like humanize them, of course, in, in the situation. But mm-hmm. it's like, is this really tying into how he's doing his job? You know, like, why are we bringing this up? Is it because like the relation with his wife being dead is how he now op- like does his autopsies and operates or like, you know, what's, what's the, t- the connection what's the tie in there. So that was kind of a little bit of gripe. I just would, would have wanted to have a little bit more information about that. Sure. Um, and Brian, you mentioned this, but, and this is so like tiny, but I was like, why do they have this random book of like flower stuff? Like, is it because they need to know like what flowers and stuff are poisonous? But when they pulled out that book of flowers, I was mm-hmm. like, what, why would you have this random book? But Okay cool you don't have a book of flowers i don't have a book of yeah. flowers <laughs> like mm. flower names okay um, maybe you're the weird you gotta one. have your book of flowers <laughs> <laughs> where's your book of flowers show youtube <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh it's on my it's on the book it's on the flower bookshelf upstairs <laughs> uh yes so yeah a lot of this movie i i really enjoyed i loved uh at the very end that brian mentioned that the sheriff was smart enough to say just get the body out of my county I don't want it to go to another mm. morgue here. Like, there's too many spooky mm-hmm. stuff happening. Even though he didn't have all the information, he still was smart enough to be like, just get the mm-hmm. body out and let somebody else deal with it. So mm-hmm. I um, absolutely love that. And a question that I did want to ask you guys, as and I know Brian had kind of mentioned, like, we don't know really exactly what happened um, with, the, with the witch, with Jane Doe. But my question to y'all, because the father suggests that, you know, the Salem witch trials, yes, and that everyone was innocent, and he felt like they did this ritual because they thought she was a witch, and it turned her like into an actual witch. Mm-hmm. Or do you mm-hmm. think that she actually was a witch, and this whole thing was um, 
like the 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 uh symbols inside her skin or whatever the case may be was like her own thing to continue to like kill people in her path like even in death like how do y'all feel about that jamie um i mean i i liked that theory that like she becomes the very thing that they're accusing her of Mm -hmm. and then like continues to like destroy everyone moving forward yeah but like i don't know i just i thought it was clever that like perhaps she wasn't you know actually a witch because there weren't any but like they then they tortured her yeah and then and then she was offered the option and she was like you know what fuck them yes i accept this yes (laughs) kind of like our favorite vvh what does it say do you want to like yeah, I mean, it's, it is kind of like the same thing where it's like she's being accused of being a witch the whole time. Yeah. And and then after her entire family, essentially, or I mean, spoiler alert for VVH, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> after her entire family is like destroyed, they like destroy themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, then she is asked and then she accepts. It's like she already kind of lost everything. So at that point, like, you know, it's like, why not? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Brian? I I like the theory, too. I agree with Jamie. Like, I'm into that theory. I like the idea that, like, she they she turned into the thing that they were actually hunting because now she'll kind of live on forever and torture people who had tried to harm her. Whether yeah. it is under the pretenses of figuring out the COD um, or not, um, I thought that's fascinating. What I also think is fascinating is at the beginning, I'm pretty sure the sheriff says something like, yeah, maybe somebody was trying to dump the body there. Uh, and then mm. like they, they were trying to create scenarios as to why this like murder would happen, that multiple homicide would happen. Um, but like, I think that they like, they found this body in the ground, right? There's like, or, mm-hmm. you know, it, I don't know. Like there's so. It's like partially dug up. Yeah. Yeah. So like. Um, so it's very interesting, like how it even got there and whatnot. I like that nothing is fully answered. To me, mm-hmm. that makes the movie more mysterious and fun. Um, yeah. I think mm-hmm. this movie is less fun on a second viewing if if it had a solid answer. This movie is a good rewatch for me because there is no answer. So maybe each time it's like, well, maybe this actually happened. Maybe that actually happened. Mm, that's I'm fair. kind of very I'm very into that aspect of things. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe she, maybe Salem actually did have witches, um, and you know, and and she was one, or maybe there was a. Regardless of which whichever option is like real, I like that. Like we don't actually one hundred percent know. We just kind of have to take Brian Cox's you know um, theory for for what it is within the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think I, so something in my that straddles my likes and gripes, um, Nikisha, mm-hmm. um, to to just kind of go off your question is that like i hate that i don't know the full rule set it bothers me that i don't know what the full rules of this body are but that's what makes this movie interesting because like we mentioned before you are the other autopsy member you're trying to figure it out with them you only have the information that they have and the editing in those scenes um where they're like going through the body and they'll Mm -hmm. be like and they're keep re- going through all the information they have like tongue cut out lung seared this and they just quickly cut to all those parts of the body i think is so well done and it really dumbs it down for the viewer and it's so much easier to follow and it's so gorgeously shot 
and the yeah. props are so amazing that those sequences, I think it happens like two or three times in the movie, it to me is just like very engaging and mesmerizing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that was all of my likes and gripes. So, Brian, if you want to continue on, please. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I'll keep going. Um, a like that I have with this movie that happens with a lot of other movies is I love movies that open with what will happen to your characters. This movie mm. opens with that murder in that house. This movie ends with everybody dead because the witch got them, essentially. The body of Jane Doe got them. Um, but we fall in love with these characters, or at least we become invested in the characters. So that kind of, that breeds a sense of hope in us. Um, that Oh, th the reason we're seeing this story, the reason they're telling this story, the reason that Andre Overdahl wrote this, no, um, 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 directed this and Ian Goldberg and Richard Nang like wrote this movie is because this is the time that something different happens. But I like that. Like, no, that's not the case. Like, mm -hmm. like this is, this is what happens. And that makes you think like, wait, why did they, why, why this time? Why was this time important? Is this the first time she ever got to a morgue? Is that why it's important? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. That's, that's something point. for us to decide. Um, Brian Cox and Emil Hirsch have spectacular chemistry. Mm -hmm. um, it's very easy to watch the two of them. And it's also nice to see Brian Cox, like, play uh, a, a, a good father as opposed to <laughs> Logan Roy. Um, <laughs> always a great sense of tension in the workroom, in the morgue. I just thought that, like, even when something spooky wasn't happening, there was that tension in general. Um, I like that the movie sets up that he says they're not cops or therapists, as he says, shrinks, and yep. they're only looking for the COD. But really, at the end of the day, they be, they 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 look for more than the COD. Um, and so I like that that evolution of like what they think they are doing versus what they're doing is interesting. Um, I like that the exposition is spread out after we learn about the relationships at the beginning of this movie. It's after that point. I'm I'm into that. Um, uh, I just think it's really well written and executed. I really like this movie, if you couldn't tell. Like, I, I really like <laughs> this movie. Um, I like that in the background, the radio says, like, it's going to be a beautiful day out. Like, if you're paying attention, like, everything that yes. the radio says is the opposite. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I like when they talk through it all. Like I mentioned, like, the internal versus the external. Like, I like his description of, like, it's like, it's like there's a bullet, but there's no exit or um, entry wound. Yep. Um, it's like the, I, mm -hmm. I really like that. Um, the prop work is amazing. Um, oh, this is like a fucked up operation game. No, <laughs> like, not the operation um, game. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so I, I, I paused it halfway through the movie. So when they find the skin markings and the lights go out and they say they need to leave, they're like, okay, we need to leave. That's literally halfway through the movie. So I think that's mm. a really good point for them to, I like that halfway through the movie, they're like, oh, something is wrong. We need to get out of here. Yeah. Like the lights went out, Bye. all of that. Um, I like that they believe what's happening to them. And like, like even there's a version of this movie where Brian Cox never believes that what's happening is happening, but like they, they believe what's happening to them. And I, I appreciated that. Um, um, I love the conversation that Emil Hirsch has with him in that moment where he's like, like, we have seen the impossible on this body. Like, yep. like, why, like, why wouldn't we believe that impossible things are happening around us? I thought it was a really mm. good speech and a believable speech to convince Brian Cox to get back in there. Um, 
the pull back in the bathroom jump scare is spectacular when they pull the mm-hmm. dad back. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, the axe hole jump scare is great too. Um, and you call me an axe hole? <laughs> yeah, you know. They, <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. And I have I have two big gripes. The first gripe is that as much as it sets ambiance and is super cool, the song doesn't make sense outside of just being spooky. Oh my god, I'm so glad you said that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think it's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's very spooky and it adds a lot of ambiance, but like I I I, I is it's it supposed to be the ghosts of the girls from Salem? Like is it a real song? I don't know. It just feels very concocted where the rest of the movies feels a little bit more organic. Um and something that really bothered me is that this movie explicitly states that it takes place in Virginia. Yes. But the cars have Pennsylvania license plates. Ha! Huh. I did not notice that. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm a. That's one thing I've always done is look at license plates in movies. I don't know why, but I also we live in Pennsylvania. I know what Pennsylvania license plates look like, and like mm-hmm. for whatever that bothered me because Jamie and I at the beginning of this movie, I didn't remember the Salem connection. I, mm-hmm. I when they said Virginia, I was like, oh, Jamestown. Like I forget what it was like that happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I will say my last thing I'll say about this movie is um, the reveal that it's Salem and like eighteen nine, whatever the date is or whatever it is. Jamie and I looked at each other during the movie. We both had goosebumps like that. That when they figure out that like they folded over, it's like oh wow, she's from Salem. Like spectacular moment in this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the Roman numerals, it was like 1690-something. So yeah. Mm-hmm. I good. also like that... The, sorry, I keep going. I also like mm-hmm. that the um, that the Jane Doe ghost is the one haunting them. Like, the the burned version of her haunts them. And other... It's, I have to watch it again. I wasn't paying attention. But it almost seems like, 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 like the burned version haunts her, and then a different version haunts them. And, like... But it's always really kind of that burned, like what her body would actually look like is haunting them, and I I, to- mm-hmm. I dug that. Wait, do you mean all the bodies that are chasing them? Because those are the bodies from in the, morgue the that morgue. they see earlier. Yeah, but her because you see the doors open and oh, then there's no bodies. In them. Sorry, well, I I meant her body. One of the bodies that is haunting them, I I believe is her body. Um, if it was. Burned. No, that's the burned victim in the very beginning. Remember, I said that there's a burn. There's a person covered in burns. Remember when the girlfriend comes? Yes. And she like wants to touch a corpse for some reason. God. And uh, one of them is like a totally burned body, and then the other one that she picks is the one with whose the gunshot to face the face was shot in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With the bell on the. Those were the bodies. Yeah. Those were the bodies uh, that were chasing. Them. Why did I think that it was her? Ver- Never mind. So I mean, you don't really see them, yeah. which like makes it spooky. Well, I feel like a dummy. No, that's a good. It, I mean, that was like a smart connection to think like. I like burn that bodies. though. I like yeah. your theory. Thank you. I appreciate the positive vibes, but I was wrong, and it's okay to be wrong, everyone. <laughs> it is. It builds character. It's okay to be wrong. <laughs> A 1693, not 1899. 1693 were the Salem witch trials. Did you just make up a time? Yeah, I just I just said 1899, <laughs> but I, I know it's 1693 because we went to the museum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Uh, well, yeah, Jamie, do you have some things to add for your likes and gripes? Yeah, I mean, both of you really said all the things. I agree with the both of you. Um, 
I I also really enjoy this movie. I think this is maybe the third time I've seen it. Nice. Um, but it does like really, it has really etched itself into my brain. Mm-hmm. Quite like the the writhing on the inside of her skin. Yeah. Um, but in my brain. Uh, and I just, I like witchy stuff. So like the reveal I find very interesting. Um, and... I do. I like their relationship dynamic. I love both of these actors, and I and I I liked spending time with them in this way. Um, every time now that I see Brian Cox in something, I just think about how he's like, yeah, you just act, and he's just great mm-hmm. at like any hat that he is wearing. He's just so good. Yeah. Um, like I I really believed that he was a coroner, and and also like just very thoughtful and like methodical in how he goes through his process. We see all of that, and like yeah. I fully believed it um and I believe their relationship I also believe that like the son maybe like feels badly about leaving his dad behind because it's just them two mm-hmm. and like you you like see that emotion of like I can't leave my dad like I'm just mm-hmm. gonna stay behind and help him with this like it it's just like it it really I really buy into it um and it just makes me more invested in their relationship and like hoping that they survive it I normally don't and I've admitted this before and this is just my personal opinion so please don't come for me mm-hmm. but normally I don't like movies that like has a a, an, a, a not happy ending um, mm-hmm. those are not my preference because reality often upsets me and I want something better sure. in the content that I'm seeking yeah. uh, as a form of escapism yes. so it bums me out but I think that because like knowing what the Jane Doe has endured what she has had to go through based on the impact on her body that we're seeing in the movie. I feel less bad, even though like these, these people aren't necessarily like the, the primary targets perhaps that like should be targeted by her, Mm -hmm. but like her wrath just has no, there's no bounds to it because of the, everything that she's been through like the torture that she's been through. And like, there's a part of me that's just kind of like, yeah, I'm rooting for the witch in this one. Like, sorry, not sorry. And like, it doesn't upset me as much as like other movies that have like upsetting endings. Yeah, that's fine. Um, And I think that's why. Um, But. uh, Justice for the witches. I only have like, yeah, justice Justice for for the witches. What the hell? Justice for Jane Dolfer. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I only have like two smallish gripes. My first one, I mentioned the girlfriend before and it reminded me that like her character kind of annoys me. Like her disregard for human life yes. and death and and these and these bodies and like the lives that they once had. Like I just don't like how dismissive she is where she's just like, I just want to see it. Like just let me see it. I just want to touch it. Mm. Like I find that really fucking weird and disrespectful and like it, it's just, I don't know. I it makes me feel less bad that she dies, which I feel like is a fucked up thing to say. <laughs> but like she in the in the brief moments that we get to know her, she's not particularly likable, right? So I don't really care that she gets killed. Um, it is like that. Like I remember the first time I saw this, and I was shocked that that moment happened. Sure. And then I like was re remembering it when we were doing the rewatch, and I kind of was just like. 
yeah, whatever. She, eh, she kind of sucks. So like, whatever. Um, <laughs> I will, but <laughs> like, that moment no. is made great by Brian Cox's reaction to it. Mm, it's like mm-hmm. over the top and not, and very subtle at the same time. It's pretty incredible yeah. acting. And Emil Hirsch's too. Like, I, I feel like mm-hmm. that moment is very real. They're reacting to it very real in the moment, but they're mm-hmm. both snapping too, because they know that they're still in peril. Like, right. yeah. And I, I, th- I agree with you that like, Brian Cox's reaction in particular, I think, is, like, very chilling because it's, again, more evidence. Like, he's thinking about it from a totally, like, not – it's not cold, but, like, he's just thinking about it scientifically. Like, like, give me the evidence for Mm -hmm. these things. This incident is just another piece of data to collect on, like, oh, this whole situation's fucked up and, like, we are not safe here. Mm -hmm. Like, that's just, like, reaffirming that. So it's, like, partially, like, we need to take this time to, like, grieve this, but we also need to get the fuck out of here because, like, this is not who was chasing us. It was something totally different. And, like, now we find our... Now this... Like, it's just... It's, like, holding both the, the grief of that moment, but also, like, the fear of, like... That's definitely not what just happened. And like now I'm even more scared. Right. And let's sure. get our ass um, so in this elevator. That, yeah, we gotta we, we gotta, gotta go. <laughs> um so so yeah, the girlfriend, not crazy about her. And then my other gripe is I don't so I've never I like I don't really fully understand the uh architecture of where they live, but how is it possible that there's no other way? Like, is there do they live here? Is this their house? Is there no other way to the upstairs with the exception of this one singular elevator and then that huge outside door? Like, I don't understand how, I don't understand the architecture mm-hmm. of this building. That baffles me. Mm-hmm. There has to be, an, there has to be another staircase. Like, there's just no world that, like, it's elevator or bust. You have to go outside. Like that, the buildings aren't built like that. Yeah. That just doesn't make well, sense. Well, it was built in what nineteen nineteen is what the thing said. Right, but so then it definitely should have a staircase inside. There's no world where it's built in nineteen nineteen, and the only indoor way to go up and down is an elevator. That's fair. Fair. Yeah. No argument. I mean, no <laughs> argument for me. That's been that's been architecture parlor. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's pretty much my only little frustrations. I mean, that is very true. When I was like, truly the elevator and then them trying to open the doors or like the fake police officer being like, yeah, like we have the doors. I mean, we got the tree, like open the doors. It was really crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, um, This movie, for some reason, definitely gives me James Wan vibes in some places. Um, mm-hmm. um, uh, here and there, nothing too crazy in terms of, I guess, how the jump scares are and things of that nature. Um, yeah. um, but, it, but, but this is a lot more serious than James Bond would have taken this movie. So I guess some pieces there. Um, but I do have a question for the two of you. Um, Brian Cox's character at one point basically says that like we need to finish the COD D we need to we need to finish the autopsy um i fundamentally disagree with that choice um 
in that moment, did you think he was making the right decision? Do you think that, you know, what, what would you have done in that situation if, like, you knew you couldn't escape and you had to figure out something? I can only think about his motivation being just because he wanted to see if he could get any more answers to try to end whatever was happening. So it's like, if you Mm. can't escape because as Jamie pointed out, there's no way to escape in this terribly built building, Mm -hmm. then it's like, (laughs) well, what else can you do? Cause if you, you can't just sit there and wait it out to die. It's like, I kind Mm -hmm. of agree with his decision of just for the purposes of just trying to find out and maybe his wording of like, let's finish the autopsy is not the best sentence. I think the motivation was like, let's find out what, um, if we can find out what happened, we can find out how to stop it. So I think he was just trying to figure out how to stop it. So I didn't mind his decision to go mm-hmm. back in there to figure out how to stop what was happening. Jamie. Yeah. I mean, like I, I don't know what else I would have done if I knew that I was like definitively trapped. Maybe I would have focused on like taking the camera and recording something less formal mm. and more of just like, okay, again, here's a run through of everything that we found. Not knowing whether or not that camera recording would ever make it somewhere. Sure. But like, I, I feel like documenting it more just to be like, hey, if I don't make it out of this alive, here's what I've discovered. Here's what I've found. Like, hopefully someone gets this message in the future. But like, I at least want to, you know, put it out there in that way. Cause maybe then it, it helps somebody else, even if it's all for not, at least that feels a little bit more like, I don't know, maybe that's more selfish versus like he's being, I mean, he is being selfless on one hand, maybe like he thinks that by solving it, he can like set her spirit free. He doesn't like fully say that, but I do feel like that's kind of the gist where it's mm-hmm. like, if we can, if we can figure this out, then maybe that will like relinquish her power over us. And then secondly, when he's like, you know, take me, I'm, I'm like willing to, you know, take all of this on. Um, like that's also him being selfless. So I like, I think at that point he was just like, you know, I, I don't know if I'll make it out, but like, I'll do what I can to like figure this out so that my son is safe. Like both of those actions Mm -hmm. feel obviously the second one definitively, but the first one of like, maybe if we solve this, I don't know if I'll make it out, but like, at least you then can have a happy ending. So sure. Um, yeah. What did you think? I think they should have sewn the body up because they even say that like we've disturbed the body and now it's cursing us or something to that effect. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you think the natural thing is like, well, maybe if we sew it up and like let the body be, all of this will stop. Like, didn't we just like literally open up a Pandora's box? What if we closed it back up? You know what I mean? Mm. Like I would have, I would have done that. But like, again, just like put everything back where it came from. Yeah. Like, Put that thing back where it came from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The 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 monsters ink. They have to do the monsters ink dance though. Oh, it's God, very yeah. important. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but also like the the beginning of the movie though is like her body not being really disturbed. I mean, like it's it's it was buried and they kind of unburied it, but like chaos still happened even though she sure. wasn't That's disturbed. An That's an excellent mm-hmm. point. But one, we don't know if the body healed itself. 
Oh, sure. you're right. Oh, spooky, spooks. Yeah, spooky, spooky dookie. <laughs> spooky dookie. <laughs> spooky. <laughs> um, Sorry, yeah, we, we don't know. No, don't be. Um, it's spooky dookie. Yeah, we don't know how spooky dookie the body was at the beginning of the movie. One, like yeah, if, it, if they, if they like, maybe they were digging or something and they hit it and it opened up. You, we know mm-hmm. who knows. They could have just like nicked it. Um, at the beginning, um, with a shovel or something. So that's one thing. Um, um, but also like, I don't know. It, even if the opening sequence, people never opened or cut the body in any way. To me, the things that they said to each other, like about like, we opened it up, blah, blah, blah. Like, obviously that's not as interesting, um, narratively because then they wouldn't have figured out like the Leviticus thing and all of that. Um, But like, to me, I would have, everything they said seemed to be leading to like, oh, maybe we should sew it back up and like hope that all of this stops. But like, you know, it still makes for a great movie. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a very (laughs) fair, fair point. Just put the pieces back Mm -hmm. together and see what happens. But Yeah. Kind of like Operation, just put the put the things back yeah. and, yeah, just re- and leave it alone. <laughs> and then nobody gets hurt. No buzzy zaps. Yeah. No, nobody, no nothing. Yeah, no they got they got buzz for sure. Oh man, when he <laughs> falls, it, it's at the end when he falls. You really the first time you're watching that movie, it must really feel like oh he's gonna make it. There's gonna be yes. one more jump scare, like but he'll make it. And then like that fall is brutal. Mm-hmm. It really is. When the when the when the sheriff start starts singing, it's just like, oh, yep, all right. See you later. I think we're done here. Big gulps. Yeah. All right. See you later. Oh god, <laughs> it's over. Ugh. Yeah, but also, you know, the witch was just doing her job. So the witch was just doing just her witchy witching. job, her witchy duty. So it's fine. She, I'm, she's I'm a duty it. head. She is the ultimate duty head. Yes. Fantastic. Well, speaking of heads, transitioning into mental minds and brains, let's get into our next section of mm, brains. Brains. Tasty. Tasty. Fantastic. Well, I have a couple of questions for you, uh, Jamie. And the first one is, of course talking about death and people who have to deal with death a lot in their profession, like being a mortician. And so my question to you is, how do you think that people can cope so much with death that they can do it as a profession? Um, And just as, especially how the dad kind of always separates of like, we're not therapists, like we've mentioned before, um, we just want to figure out what the cause of death is. And that's like our only job. So if you can just speak on like, how do you think in your opinion, um, people are kind of coping with seeing death every day in really gruesome ways. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely hear you. Like, I feel like there has to be, you know, some kind of like compartmentalization that's happening Mm -hmm. to be able to, to not fully let it like, like take, like taking your work home with you. Um, and I imagine that like, you know, to what end, like what's, what's the purpose of this particular role? Um, I think is something important to think about. Like the, the idea of like, 
getting the cause of death, finding answers. What does that do? Um, you know, does that help grieving families? Does that help the, the criminal justice system in like being able to find a conclusion and like hold someone accountable? Um, like thinking about it from that perspective of like, what's, what's the role? Um, I think that that can help with like creating some distance and space from, from like that, the, the heaviness that is this work. That's fair. Um, again, speaking as somebody who has like no real idea of like how intense or challenging it can be. But like, Mm -hmm. again, I feel like there has to be some degree of like compartmentalizing of like this, like, this is also my job. So like I'm doing this, you know, respectfully and like professionally. Yeah. And, and like that, that too requires some like distance and space. Yeah. Which is so interesting too. Cause a lot of the times like morgues are in people's homes. So what just stuck out to me was when you were talking about like separating your work from your home life. And then like, and at least in this movie, like it's all kind of one thing. So it is really kind of trying to compartmentalize, but I do love the fact that you were um, speaking on how can this help other people? You know, like this person is already deceased, but like, are you helping families kind of deal with, uh, if they get the cause of death that that can help in their grieving or whatever the case may be. I think that that's great. Cause it's the same thing. Like with other professions that like happen to work with death, like being, um, in the medical field, um, as a doctor or whatever, or being like a police officer and seeing like death and, and that kind of thing. But it's all kind of in line with uh, a higher purpose of like trying to help people in a way. Um, mm-hmm. so it's just, yeah, it's a really interesting thing to, to think about and for someone to be like, yes, this is what I want my purpose to be, uh, for generations upon generations is mm-hmm. to be a mortician. And I would just like to say that if I lived in a funeral parlor or like lived above a morgue and like, uh, not that I was the mortician or I was, um, you know, the one actually like doing the CODs, but like if I lived in one of those houses, like any time I hear a bump in the night mm-hmm. or I hear like a creak or whatnot, like I'm 100% going to think that it is the dead body moving. Like there is nothing, <laughs> there is nothing in my life that would be like, oh, it's just a pipe. Oh, it's the cat. Oh, it's the dog. Oh, this person's coming in late. I'd be like, no, there is a dead body that is going to hit me over the head or spook me or do something like I would hear the bell in my ears. Like I would yeah. forever mm-hmm. hear the bells. Yes. Like mm-hmm. I can hear the bells from hairspray. Like you can hear the bells. Oh my God. Like there were bells, Fantastic. not on a hill from music, man. There were bells on somebody's toe. And I always heard it ringing when there was a dead body walking behind me. Like 100%. Right. I- I'm not crazy. Uh, no, Oh, you're not crazy. That also just reminds me of the movie My Girl because um, yes, I just that's remember what I like, think of too. yeah, she lived in the morgue and poor. Yeah, whatever, she lives what was in the his name? Home. His glasses. He needs his glasses. Um, yeah. Um, uh, 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 I'll think you of it. it. It's it's a it's a it's a it's a it's an abri- It's a double. It's it's two. It's letters. a double name. Yes, it's a double name. Yeah. Well, it's not a double. It's it's just two. Thomas J. Thomas J. There you go. Oh. Woo. Poor Tom's Thomas J. Oh. Can't see without his glasses. Yeah, you can't see movie. without his glasses. Uh, when I also, think of funeral homes, people living in funeral homes, um, I think of my girl before I think of like fun home or anything like that. 
Oh, that's fair. Well, I also think of Bob's mm. Burgers because Mort the Mortician. Lives oh, in. that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, great. Well, the next question that I have for Jamie is dealing with um, suicide, but the mother, we find out that she was depressed and there's a conversation that the father and son have about the father kind of not seeing the signs and feeling guilty that he wasn't able to help her. So my question to you is how can the person who is feeling guilty kind of cope with those emotions of not seeing that depression firsthand. And we talk about depression a lot and how it shows up in people and how a lot of the times it is a matter of like, well, they were always so happy and we didn't see, you know, whatever. And so how can somebody Mm -hmm. kind of cope with that guilt of not being able to help because they didn't know? Yeah. I mean, that's so hard when people aren't really like aware and, and just like, Again, if you have a particular idea of what you think depression looks like and then and other people aren't like open and sharing how they're really feeling, I think that there's a lot of like survivor's guilt that then comes out of if if somebody, you know, does die by suicide, mm-hmm. then the family that's that's left behind is grappling with and trying to understand something and you can't get clarity because that person's not here anymore to like ask those questions. Um, but yeah, I, I like, I think that in terms of like alleviating yourself of the guilt, I mean, even more so than that, I feel like therapy is just the answer. Like there's going to be a lot, a lot to work through. Um, and that's probably one of the many like intense emotions and, and, and situations to have to like grapple with, Mm -hmm. um, as well as just like grief in general, right? Yeah. Like having to grief the loss of someone that you love. Um, but I think that, you know, that's why hopefully people are like reaching out and checking in with one another. Mm. Even if the person, even if like you are struggling, like check in with other people, like talk to people and like vice versa. If you're yeah. not sure how the people you love are doing, like ask them. Um, like there's no harm in just like checking in to see how anybody's doing and you never know like how helpful that could be, but like connections and and that type of support just plays such a huge role in people's mental health. So it is really important to like stay engaged with one another. Yeah. Um, I have a follow-up question to that. Um, in the movie when they find the dead cat and we find that, or at least he has to put the cat out of its misery, which is almost worse. Um, Mm. You know, all of those moments, we we learned that that was actually the wife's cat. And he makes like this offhand comment where like the cat was a pain in the ass. But clearly he loved that cat for multiple reasons. And one of the reasons is that it reminded him of the wife and the wife wasn't fully gone as long as that cat was around. So when he puts the Mm -hmm. cat out of its misery and then puts it into the furnace to to burn it up and and to, um, you know, um, get rid of the body. And he asks his son to, like, leave the room to give him a minute. Did, did, to you two, and, and Jamie, can you answer this maybe a little bit more thoughtfully, um, is, like, was that his way of, like, letting go finally? Was that his way of, like, finally grieving a little bit for the wife? Is is I, I, How did you read that moment, knowing the context um, after the fact? Um, I guess, like, it does make me think of avoidance and just like not wanting to engage in you know conversations that like make people uncomfortable which like 
people talking about death is definitely pretty high on that, especially if it's the death of like a close loved one. Mm-hmm. Um, having to face like part of acknowledging it and not avoiding it is like having to face it and like it makes it more real. Yeah. And it's like easier to just be like, I'm just not going to think about this. Like we, you know, it's totally normal to want to avoid thinking about unpleasant, distressing things. We, we do it all of the time. (laughs) If it's, is it helpful all the time? Maybe not. But like our, our, that desire to do so is like very a common human experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, having something that's still around as a reminder without kind of having to like really talk about it or like dig deep into it. It's like, I, then I, I'm not fully having to acknowledge that she's not here anymore. But like once the cat is also gone, then it's like, then it's this feeling of like, wow, there's there's nothing left of hers, with the yeah. exception of their son, which I feel like I'm like Fair. you also like have a son together, um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I I wonder for him if it's different because it's just like it's her cat, it's her like these are her things or like her pets, and his, it sounds like you're purring kind of, every time you say her. I can't really roll my R's, so. (laughs) Um, But, uh, but yeah, like, I wonder if that's also this moment of, like, now I actually have to face reality, and that reality is, like, my wife isn't here anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I agree with all that. That's what I was going to say just about, like, the cat being kind of the last thing of hers. But, Mm -hmm. Jamie, you made the great point of, like, he also has a son, so, like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that that totally makes sense. I agree with what you're saying, Jamie. Fantastic. Also, like, there, there's also a world where like he realizes he needs to like he like he put the cat out of his misery. He mm-hmm. had to put himself out of his misery to save his son at the end, mm-hmm. and he thinks yeah. he did, but in the end, he doesn't because nobody beats Jane Doefer. <laughs> nobody. Uh, yeah, no. she wreaks havoc on on all the peoples forevermore, from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. Which leads me to my final question of mental health in our brains. I would mm-hmm. like to talk about generational trauma um, because our Jane Doe is kind of you know getting every <clears throat> excuse me killing everybody that's in her path in her way, and she's been doing so since the 1600s. Uh, so. I just want to talk. Busy, busy. Yes, so much. <laughs> um, I just want to talk about generational trauma in general gist fashion and the different ways that that <laughs> trauma can show up um, in other people. Like, do you believe in like that generational trauma is an actual thing? Like, is that something that is talked about in the yeah. psychological world? <clears throat> Yeah. I mean, I view, like, I think this is different from gener- – like, I, th- I view this as she's lived for generations. Well, for sure. Like that's, like, literally the only unrested tie. spirit. <laughs> yeah, that's the only relation to this. But, <laughs> but, no, I definitely think that generational trauma is a thing because I think that there's experiences that, like, people have had that then are impacting the relationships with family members and then those become new experiences that then those family members are, like – in are, are – it's, it's, it's all coming out in like relationships. And then like, that's like what's being passed down mm-hmm. throughout generations. So like, that's, that's what I view. And like, 
It could be specific family unit things. It could be bigger historical things. Mm -hmm. Like there's all kinds of things that I think can be like passed down through family generations. Um, Whether it's like, I I think that there's like, again, you know, go to therapy is always going to be my, my hot, my not so hot take. It's just my take. (laughs) Um, Because I think part of like, I think that awareness plays a really big role in, in, you know, identifying cycles of things that are happening. Like I view generational trauma as a cycle that's like hitting each generation, you know, on and on and on. Again, I I think some of that comes from just like a lack of awareness perhaps. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes there is like a lot of awareness, but like it's still happening. But I do think that like, you know, being insightful about it, being aware of these pre-existing cycles to then like how – how does that then better enable you to like handle it? Whatever thing is coming up in that moment. Right. Um, like I don't have to repeat all of the same cycles because, because like now I know what my triggers are. Like now I know like, you know, which relationships are serving me and which ones aren't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely, I definitely believe in generational trauma. Yeah. I mean, Truly, the thesis statement is like therapy because I I do like that you said the self-awareness of it all because some people don't realize like why they behave in certain ways. And just speaking, you know, about um, not just family unit things, but like generalized things as like a black person and speaking to Jewish people, like those are like the two big things that pop into my brain. It's like the generational mm-hmm. trauma of the Holocaust, the generational trauma of like slavery and like oh, what yeah. and how mm-hmm. that plays it's into. It's very real. Yeah. Yeah. That you absolutely don't think about how you, you know, react to certain things or what things can be potential triggers, you know, that might not be just within like a family unit um, uh, totally. thing. Yeah. Like big picture, like cultural events that have shaped entire generations. Mm-hmm. I also think like, I mean, these are things that like, we are aware of also as a side note, I feel like, and maybe I'm biased because I both am a millennial and also work with a lot of millennials, but I do feel like millennials are like a particularly insightful generation and just like very aware of the things that are like constantly influencing and impacting us. And I'm very curious, like thinking about all of the, all of the economic things that have been happening in like our most recent generation, yes. like how is that then also going to carry down in future generations? Like there's so many, there's so many other things that are like happening now in real time that like, you know, again, being aware of it hopefully mitigates some of the impact, but like probably not all of it. Yeah. And, and who knows how it's all going to play out in future generations. So like there's things happening right now that are definitely going to keep, keep on keeping on. Sure. And like, that's, that's wild to think about too. Like from a, on like a contemporary standpoint. But also sure. like even more than that, just like the son not wanting to take over the family business, like not necessarily mm. trauma, but like kind of definitely generational differences and could be a part of generational trauma because like then what happens to the business not no the business is dead now but like if they both survived like you know like or if everything was going fine like it would just be an interesting way to um to to kind of symbolically show a little bit of that passing on of the trauma and stuff like that Mm -hmm. well yeah absolutely 
Great. Well, that's yeah. all that I have for brains section. Would we like to continue on mm. to rotten tomatoes? Let's rotten tomatoes. Let's do some rotten tomatoes. Woohoo! Tomatoes. Please. Tomatoes. Please, 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 Brian. Sorry. They're tomatoes. What do you think that the autopsy of Jane Doe percentage wise has on rotten tomatoes? Um, again, for the, um, the, the critic score. 73. I was going to say 82. All right. This has an 86% on Rotten Tomaten. Yay. Um, but the audience score is a 71%. Ah. Okay. All right. Um, the autopsy of Jane Doe subverts the gruesome expectations triggered by its title to deliver a smart, suggestively creepy thriller that bolsters director Andre Overdahl's growing reputation. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. a, that's a solid... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I like the idea that I like the concept of that. It's it's subverting the expectations that the yes. title brings out. Like, that's a really good point that like an autopsy movie, you think is gonna be a lot bloodier than this one actually is. Or not be a witch at the end. <laughs> or not you know? be a witch. Mm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, Surprise. for sure. Surprise. Um, cool. Uh, should we do the four S's? Yes. Yes. shakes and suggestions. The talking horns four S's. <laughs> All right. The four S's are skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. Um, skulls is how well we think this handled mental health and human behavior. One through ten. Ten being really well. Um, and then scares, how scary was this? And then shakes, um, is this a one and done? Are you, can you shake it off? Will it stick with you? And then suggestions, movies that you might pair uh, with this one. Um, Jamie, let's start with you. Let's do skulls, shakes, um, skulls, scares, and shakes first, one through ten. Sure. Um, for skulls, I gave this a six. Um, I thought like it kind of it's it's pretty average in terms of people peopling. Yeah. Um, I think that, like, you know, Brian Cox is more of the, like, scientific, like, gotta be data-focused, and Emile Hirsch is, like, has a little bit more empathy, uh, but also can, like, read the writing on the wall, and he's like, we gotta go, Dad, and Dad's a little bit more resistant to it. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, like, there's, it's a real mixed bag of, like, should we make moves right now or like, let's stay and figure this out a little bit more. And it's like, ah, you lost your opportunity. (laughs) Um, and then the girlfriend, I feel like that's not a real, she's not real. Nobody's like, let me poke dead bodies. Um, so crazy. (laughs) Not for me. No. Um, for scares, I gave this a four. Um, cause it, it definitely has some like really good scares. I, and I might be that, that score might be weighted just because I've seen it a few times. So I like mm-hmm. remembered when some of the big scares were, um, but it still like has the tension building, um, that I really enjoy. Uh, like it's not like the jump scares aren't all super big jump scares. Um, the beats are kind of held a little bit longer than maybe I originally remember them. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, so it's like, I feel, I felt like I could anticipate like this one's like, it's really going like I'm really holding my breath here. And it kind of like 
my my anxiety meter, I would say, went down a little bit in some of those beats. They felt a little too long. Mm-hmm. But, like, I still saw Brian jump, so I was like, ah, they're still... Oh, yeah, definitely. They're still good. Um, this will get you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but for Shakes and Moving, this is six. I really enjoy this movie. Uh, upon rewatch, it's like, oh, yeah, I really... I. I really like this. Um, and surprise, it feels like not as many people talk about it as often. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it really does stand out as like a pretty solid spooky movie. Yeah. Nikisha? Yeah, my scores are very similar to Jamie's. I also gave it a six for Skulls because I feel like people are peopling. Um, the next two I will base off of when I first watched it and how I felt. So okay. for Scares, I just gave it a five. Um, just one more because the, there were some really good jump scares in there and just seeing like all of the dead bodies and stuff. Like, I just thought that that was scarier than, than some of the actual like jump scares, just looking at, you know, really well-made dead bodies was like, well, this is creepy. Um, and then shakes, I'm going to give it a seven because I will just always remember, how it ends and how surprised I was at what the actual ending uh, of this movie was. So yeah, shakes mm-hmm. to seven. Cool. Um, I'm also giving it a skulls. So we have a six, six, six um, uh, for skulls. Um, I'm also giving it the six for skulls. <clears throat> um, same reasons. Scares. I also gave it a five. Um, some of those jump scares, even second time through really worked on me. Um, I also am giving it a five cause it's, I would say the I love the eerie vibes from it that make me mm. uneasy a lot of it and that I dig that more than the jump scares. Um, and then I'm giving this an eight for Shakes. I think this is a great movie. Um, this is one of the movies that I will like. If someone says like, "What's an underrated horror movie?" This will always yeah. be my number one answer. For like, sure. No, like Jamie said, people don't really talk about it, but but like Brian Cox is a horror king. Like the this this is a great 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 movie. Um, it has a little bit of everything in it. Um, cool. Um, I'll start with my suggestions. I'm going to go with Troll Hunter. Um, nice. His first movie. It's a it's like a kind of a it's a it's a found footage kind of mockumentary type of thing. Uh, but it's really good. Um, so I'm going to highly suggest Troll Hunter. If you want to see something else by this director, that's a little bit different. Hmm. Nice. Um, I'll go next. I just have one. I went just the kind of surprise ending slash witch route, and I would pair this with the skeleton key. Oh, cool. Mm. Yeah. That's a great one. Um, Jamie? Um, I would pair this kind of similar. I I picked two things that I feel like kind of escalate uh, the spooky vibes over the course of the film. Um, and those would be the taking of Deborah Logan. WL. And, Good old and Debbie. Oculus. Love oh, Oculus. Good, Good old Debbie. Love Oculus so much. Debbie Logan. Good old Debula. <laughs> Debulous. <laughs> Debulous. Um, Debulous. Great. Fantastic. Uh, all great suggestions. And I think that wraps up this episode of the, wow, I was going to say taking of Deborah Logan, the autopsy of Jane Doe. <laughs> the taking the of. The autopsy of Deborah Logan. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the autopsy of Deborah Logan. The taking of Jane Doe. <laughs> Just mush it all in Actually, there. Actually, we have a lot of, we have a lot of, um, 
movies with women's name coming up. We have Jane Doe, we have Saint Maud, mm-hmm. and we we have mm-hmm. Debbie Logan. Debbie, yes. Deb, Deb, good old Deb. Can't wait. Yes. Uh, well, yeah, that is our episode. Yeah. You can follow us on all of the social medias on the. TikTok, on Instagram, on the threads, on the Twitter, at Talk Horror Pod, P-O-D. And Brian, where can they listen to us? Sure, you can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. So that is inclusive of things like Spotify and, of course, Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us there. Five stars, please. And thank you. And thank you. Um, I, I will also say that, like, we really like your reviews. Um, I like reading them. Yes. I like that they're there. Um, so if you've been listening to us for a while um, and you haven't done one yet, um, I would really appreciate it if you just, like, took a moment, pause this now. We only got, like, two minutes left. Um, go mm-hmm. back in and just uh, review us. Um, give us five stars there and, and just to tell us how what you're enjoying about the show. Uh, we'd really appreciate that. Thank you. Yes, if you Please. if you review us, we'll sing you a song, a little ditty, a little ditty <laughs> oh, about th- that's not the ghouls yeah. and <laughs> the ghouls, all, all the spooky the, spooks. All, yeah, <laughs> but let the, let the, the sun shine spooky in. Spooky spooks, <laughs> <laughs> all the uh, spooky things. <laughs> that one, <laughs> that's the one. Fantastic! Thank you guys. <laughs> oh, I forgot to read my oh. quotes. Oh gosh, please. Oh, we'll end with the with quotes. With a time to end, we'll end with some with sure. all the quotes. All of them. Um, everybody has a secret. Some are just better at hiding them than others. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that one, and I think that relates a little bit to kind of like his feelings about his wife dying and stuff like that. That could have been a yes. stronger. That could have been a little bit stronger, like Nikisha brought up. But like, I think that's pretty good. Um, and then my, I only have one more, but it's my favorite one. Nobody's pissing in your grits. <laughs> when was that? <laughs> he, uh, that was the cop. The cop. No, right? I think oh, he oh. says that to his son. Oh, I don't remember. Or maybe that says to the cop, but 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 he says that. Uh, I always said Logan Roy. Brian Cox says that at some point. <laughs> Nobody's pissing in your grits. Can we get the Can we get the fuck off, please? Fuck off. <laughs> there you have it, folks. <laughs> All right, thank you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.